A random prompt, a random script, a random writer, every episode. The Scriptulet podcast offers up a space for up-and-coming storytellers to write, have their work produced, and for listeners to hear the behind-the-scenes production of the making of an audio drama. From the writing process, the actor's cold read, to the final product of finished work, we're here to expose new stories, new writers, and the creative process of making a play. Scriptulet is currently looking for some podcast sponsors who are interested in reaching emerging artists and writers. To work with us, email scriptulet at gmail.com. To join the Scriptulet Facebook group and to have a chance of featuring your writing and or voice on the show, search Scriptulet Podcast on Facebook and click join. Anyone can enter. We give feedback on all scripts submitted and we hope to give a space to new voices and new stories to be told. Our show's music was created by scottbuckley.com, an Australian composer who gives out his music for free for creators to use, as long as they pass on his credit. He has a Patreon if you want to help him out. And our show's logo was created by Lucy Villing. You can find her work on Instagram at lucy.v.design. Okay, let's start the show. Welcome to Scripturalette. I'm Ben. And this is Evram. Hello. We're a couple that love to write and have a passion for audio. Ben, what are we doing here today? What is this show? Well, every month we release a prompt, whether that's a genre, an image, a theme, etc. Then we get people to write a short 5-10 to minute radio play based on that prompt. Once we've received the submissions, we spin the wheel and whoever's script gets chosen gets made, which is what we're here to do today, correct? Correct, Evram. (laughs) We're going to meet the writers, actors and then head into the creation of an original audio play. Okay, that sounds like a lot. I hope we can do it. I believe in us. Me too. This month's prompts were (laughs) the premise Deja Vu and the genre Romance. Ooh, we got such an interesting batch of scripts this month from three different writers, all who took the prompts and ran in multiple unique and interesting directions. Thank you to those that submitted scripts this month, all of which you can read in the Script Roulette Podcast Facebook group. Woo! Sorry, I knocked (laughs) the mic there. (laughs) One of our three possible scripts tonight was written by Elizabeth Blue, which was a fun little take on dating culture, using audio to play around with what it's like to text back and forth. Samsara Dustin submitted a heartfelt and moving script that was hard to read, but delved into some very deep and important topics. I wanted to flag a trigger warning for any listeners who check it out. The last submission was from Paul Waxman, who used the prompts to create a very strong genre piece, a spy crime noir, (laughs) with a cast of stereotypically fun characters. But we can only make one. The most exciting part. Let's spin the wheel and see whose script we're going to make today. Give it a spin. Congratulations, Paul Waxman. We have the amazing Paul Waxman in the studio today, an all-around audio lover who has worked on numerous radio programs on Sin Media, with a love particularly for Australian music. He also currently hosts his own program on Play On Radio. Welcome, Paul. Oh, hello. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me today. It's our pleasure. <laughs> um, I guess uh, any chance you could tell us the title of the story that we've got today? Yeah, so the story I wrote for this month's theme was called Intimate Homicide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Obviously, the the prompts we had were romance. Oh, the the genre I guess we had was romance. But you've gone for sort of more of a, a noir sort of thing, which does have like sort of a tragic romance element to it, just by nature. Um, what sort of made you like drove you to to do that? I guess I'll be honest. Um, before I came in to do the Idol of Babassus, which was incredible. For some reason, when I was driving home, I just thought about noir for some reason. I was like, I really wanted to write something and it has to be noir. That was just like what was in my brain. And then um, the prompt ended up being romance. And I'm like, what's more romantic than noir? Like it's this genre Mm. that has lots of love and deception and kissing and romance (laughs) to it. I was like, this is the perfect kind of way to explore a romantic theme. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that, like, sometimes, like, the genres that we pick can be really broad and, like, narrowing it down in that way, especially, like, when we're working with such short, like, stories. Like, you mm. know, we're only making something that's five to ten minutes long, so being as specific as you can with with that stuff helps you narrow down what you're going to write. I think so. none of the three stories that I read, including mine, were similar in any way yeah. at all, which is incredible. Yeah. It's awesome. So you sort of touched on what made you want to write this story. Did you want to write a crime noir before or had you ever written a crime noir before? Well, I've been a film student for like four years now. It's been a long slog of <laughs> watching a lot of films. And each you know unit I do for a film class, it's 12 weeks of watching movies, basically, which sounds uh, maybe to other v- listeners like <sighs> heaven, but it can get very, very boring the fourth year <laughs> round yep. when you're watching a movie weekly and then and you have to, for three hours after, break it down with your classmates. <laughs> yep. It gets pretty what sloggy. What time in the morning? Do you have to watch the movies uh, in the morning? The, the exact same time we're recording this. So, like, even earlier sometimes. We used to have a class at 9 a.m. We had to watch a movie. Oh, and uh, sometimes they'd force us through, like, a three-hour film. <laughs> at 9 a.m., it just doesn't work. I, I have had this experience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, pretty tragic. It's, it's Yeah, it kind of makes you question... Love film, film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but in that time, I've had to sit through uh, plenty of film noir crime mm. films, and I just was kind of noticing um, leading up to my third year, where maybe in the future I'd have to get re- really specific in a maybe a honors or masters kind of style. I was really noticing that crime was my favorite of all the genres Mm. (laughs) Uh, which in hindsight is a very uh, sociopathic thing to say maybe (laughs) but i was just noticing i like murder (laughs) exactly i noticed that crime tv shows and noir movies were just something i really enjoyed um especially the goofy ones from the 50s so i've always loved it and i've always wanted to recreate my own kind of version of a silly noir film and this was like the perfect opportunity to do that, I guess, to put all my four years of study into something. <laughs> well, we're very honoured to, to be part of making that happen, Paul. Thank you. Thank, no, thank you, guys. <laughs> I guess it's probably about a time we should get a little short synopsis. Spoiler-free, of course. Oh, OK. Uh, yes, uh, yep. So basically, it's about two friends, Freddie and Bobby, who hang out at a bar together, which in itself is a film reference, The Malt and the Falcon, which is a reference to The Maltese Falcon, which is one of the most like uh, revolutionary noir films that came out. Uh, and they hang out at this bar all the time with their best friend Brock, who's behind the bar. They're usually quite philosophical lads, so they'll come up with these really weird um, conversations. He'll give his two cents and also give him alcohol when they need it. Um, and on this particular night... In a bar? In a bar. <laughs> uh, I went very literal with the prompt, which I do 
a lot most yeah, of the time. It's great. Um, the really only thing that's deja vu about this story is the leading love interest name is Deja Vu, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was hilarious when I came up with that. Um, she enters the bar and Freddie and her have this really kind of silly, goofy, noir romance. They don't know anything about each other. They just instantly fall in love, um, which is weird and not realistic, but I thought it was so silly that I just had to do it. And they discover a dead body together and they have to kind of work out who done it and then put that person to justice. Cool. Everyone loves a good whodunit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, when I was reading the script for the first time and I read the name, I was like, God damn it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> um, so, like, I was wondering, um, have you written for audio before? No, I haven't. Um, I, I actually, uh, in doing this, this, is a, this has been a very cathartic experience for me. <laughs> uh, I learnt in hindsight that actually when I was in high school, um, you know, a, a couple years ago, in my early years in high school, I was really into writing for script and fiction. Um, and I don't know, somewhere along the line, due to the <laughs> uh, maybe Australian uh, public school system, private school system, uh, I lost interest in writing mm-hmm. um, due to having to do year 12 and really like crack down on not being creative for two years. Um, and then kind of somewhere along the line, I remembered that I really enjoyed writing. <laughs> I literally feel like that so many people I know who write like that, they've had such similar experiences mm-hmm. to that where it's like one day they were like, oh, actually, I do like to write. And they just yeah. like forgot their yeah, totally. completely. Yeah. I've had all these weird ideas since I've left high school for things. I've been interested in filmmaking as well, obviously, being a film student. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever written for audio. Um, I've written for stuff at Sin before, actually, Mm. for some live um, (laughs) award night sketches, which is fun. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever properly written for audio. Awesome. Can you tell? No, I mean, like, no, not at all. It's like, because I was going to say, I think that you use the format... Um, really well and like obviously like there's a narrator it's crime noir you know and that lends itself really well to audio and like following like making it really easy for the listener to follow like the structure of what's happening which is honestly like like you know I love audio but that is one of the hardest parts is like you want to write something complicated but like how do you portray that that's always a struggle and I believe I left a comment on the script (laughs) when you first wrote it and put it up um uh, saying that I thought it would be difficult to uh, <laughs> sort of show Venetian blinds through audio. Um, <laughs> yep. But, but again, that's just one of the other difficulties of, of the audio format, and that's what we're here to explore. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I also just wanted to ask, before we get into introducing our cast, how long did it take for you to write this script? Um, this is actually pretty crazy right for me. Usually it takes a couple of days, or it's like sitting in front of the computer staring at the white blank page and being like, what do I do? Why do um, I exist? Why do I exist? I technically wrote this uh, on a shift at work, <laughs> um, which <laughs> doesn't yes. sound very good on my behalf, but I, I, wor- I work in a job where there's not a customer every five seconds. And this was to a cut pe- this from the... <laughs> no, my boss won't care. Um, I had this day where no customers came in for about a two-hour stretch, um, and in that time, I had written a bit before I came to work, and then I wrote the bulk of it. And then when I came home, I finished it off and cleaned it up. Um, but most of it, yeah, was written behind a <laughs> counter at work. 
on my phone, yeah. <laughs> um, which is a different way to write. It's a way I've never written before, and it produced something that I wouldn't <laughs> normally write at home. I think it was a good experience. Yeah. I think that that feels very that feels very relatable to I, me. For no joke, reason. I've actually done that in the past, so that's that's a real thing. I, f- real I always thing. feel like you write stuff when you're not like it's like when someone tells you to write, you're like I don't want to write. But when you when you're not meant to be writing, that's when the most creativity happens. Awesome, thanks, Paul. We're all about improving here, so here's this episode's writing tip. It can be really difficult to know whether the dialogue we write is believable and consistent with our characters. We can create these amazing backstories for our characters and motivations for the story, yet sometimes the voices we write may end up sounding the same. When you're writing a script, a tip we have is to cover up the names of those speaking on the page and see whether you can tell just by tone, language and pacing alone whether they are different characters. This can give you a lot of insight into whether they actually sound like different people. If you find the voices still sound the same, imagine what your characters would be if they were personifications of different instruments. They would all sound different. For example, how short or long the sentences are. Do they speak drawn out or with a lot of stopping and starting, etc. This is a great way to start fleshing out their voices. Hope you enjoyed this episode's writing tip. Let's introduce our incredible cast in the room with us today. Hi, I'm Natasha. I'm playing uh, Bobby Bridgebottom. Um, (laughs) I'm a playwright and an actor, so I've mostly done theatre and screen work. Um, I've never performed in an audio play before, so I'm very excited to unleash my terrible 50s accent (laughs) upon the world. (laughs) We're looking forward to it. (laughs) The worse the better, is what I've heard. (laughs) And I'm Sam Adams, going to be playing Sergeant Paulie Whites. Uh, Looking forward to digging into some noir. Uh, I'm the usual suspect here. Uh, (laughs) You've been here a couple times. Oh my God, Paulie Whites. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't get that. Oh, jeez. Oh, Sorry, Sam. We gave you the oh. dumbest character to play. <laughs> well, he was a scientist in another... He was a scientist in another, in another episode. So. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jill. Um, you probably recognise my voice from others. Kruprulets. Uh We're playing Deja Vu, um, the story's love interest, 50s starlet type lady. Excellent, um, excellent. Now you've had plenty of experience doing audio play stuff, so this will be good. Yeah, I thought you were going to say you've had plenty of experience being a star, and I was like, I have. <laughs> Thank you. That was implied. <laughs> I have to point out right now for our listeners that Jill is wearing earrings that are just prawns. She's wearing prawn earrings, and I love them. Giant prawns, yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm Jake. I'm going to be playing Brock de Croc. I've, uh, I've done none of this sort of stuff, no audio things, no on stage or any of those things. But uh, yeah, I'll do my best. I'm David Shostak, and I'm a longtime fan of Script Roulette. I've heard every episode. All does this count three and a half as I'm talking? Does this? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's yeah. When four happens, I'll be listening because I lived it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not really an actor at all. I've never done this type of stuff before, but I've just been me. So let's see what happens. Well, you work in the film industry. Oh so yeah, yeah, my so, life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do stuff for a living. Yeah. <laughs> I got Benny's first big break with his voice, remember? Got him on a TV commercial. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get the remote major, yeah? Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> you it. owe me. <laughs> I'll look back fondly on that uh, that little commercial. But, um, yeah. But, <laughs> um, very, what was the commercial, Ben? <laughs> what happened? It was for Craft Alive, and we couldn't get the person who did the voice originally to come back, so we just got me to do it. <laughs> that was the whole thing. But did they ask you back again? Uh 
No, they did not. <laughs> they did not like the sound of my voice. So uh, I hope the listeners like the sound of my voice. <laughs> ben, you were playing someone today as well. Yes, I'll be. I'll, this is a bit of um, self endorsement, but I'll be playing the lead. And um, I'm going to be doing the big print for everyone. All right. We're now going to go into cold read of the script. It's time to read through, get a feel for the characters and everything. And from what I hear, there's going to be a lot of terrible American accents. So looking forward to that. Again, the whole purpose of this is just to get a feel for the actual uh, play so that when we go into the actual read, um, we'll have a bit more perspective of what's happening. So uh, let's get into it. There is the sounds of a man writing out a long <laughs> fuck, writing out a long story. What the fuck does that mean? The sound of a man writing out a long story, like pencil. And oh, paper. okay. Yeah. But like, how do you know that it's a long story? You can hear lots of pages, <laughs> yeah. not just he's, one he's page. Like, it's like three hours of that sound. <laughs> so yeah. that so critical. Paul, I'm sorry. I should. That's my fourth notebook. <laughs> I don't know. Some of these directions on in the big print are kind of the screen, which is no, weird, I know, um, that's but that's just it. how I yeah. had to write for some reason. So he clears his throat. Just some leaky throat cancer. And they start to reminisce. And starts, he clears his throat and starts to reminisce. There's drinks clinking, music playing, and playful chatter as the bar's doors swing open, then closed. Brock is pouring Bobby and Freddie a drink. Hey, Brock, can you settle something up for us over here, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fucking go, mate. Awesome. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything you can put in your mouth as like a cigar? Yeah, <laughs> it's chapstick. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Brock, can you settle something over for us here, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, any any notes on, uh, on uh, the I, I'm yeah, I'm in shock. <laughs> I'm also waiting for you to be like, see, and then <laughs> talk about how you're getting an oil rig. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's completely perfectly um, vaudeville. I love it. <laughs> I just can't get around the fact that I'm about to say by golly. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'll just say something before we do that. Okay. I'm picturing this voice. By golly, Fred! <laughs> my god, it's deja vu. Deja vu is in my bar. <laughs> deja vu wasn't a real meme. <laughs> <laughs> what?! <laughs> Or maybe it was. Bobby <laughs> <laughs> makes a struggle, a big struggle. Meh! <laughs> 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 no! Get your mitts off of yeah, me! That's cold! Are you a writer, actor, creator living in Melbourne and are interested in featuring on a future episode of Scripturalette? Head to Facebook and search for Scripturalette podcast and ask to join the group. As well as being able to submit a script for next month's podcast, you can also throw your hat in the ring for a voice acting role or even help with folly or sound production. On top of that, we provide feedback on all scripts submitted, whether you get chosen or not. So it's a great way to strengthen your writing chops. It might be a small community now, but we can see a lot of potential for growth and we need your help to make it happen.
Hi, you're listening to Script Roulette. I'm Paul Waxman, and this is my play, Intimate Homicide. I remember the night I first met Deja Vu. It was 1950 and the world was finally at peace. I met my best pal Bobby Bridgebottom in the 4th Infantry Regiment back in Normandy. Back then we used to chew the fat at the hippest establishment in the whole of New York. The Malt and the Falcon. But now, we don't do that much together no more. On that particular night, back when we were younger I suppose, we were discussing something with the owner, Brock de Croc, I don't know what when we were interrupted by the most buxom babe the borough of Manhattan had ever had the pleasure of meeting. Hey, Brock, can you settle something for us over here, eh? Bobby, I'll never tell you this again. I can't understand a word you're saying when you got one of those death dicks in your mouth. Do you hear me? Death stick? I'll have you know, you wet rag, you. This is a Cuban cigar shipped all the way from the Bay of Pigs itself. One of these babies costs more than this bar put together, so I'd appreciate if you let me smoke in peace, you greaser. Oh, come on. Don't be like that, Bobby. Hey, Fred, think you could control your oddball pal over here before I have to tell you two to split? Come on, Bobby. Give it a rest, will you? Oh, so you're on his side now, eh? We found the war and this goof was here pouring whiskey for the squares? You gonna take his stinking word over mine? Bobby, come on, I'm just saying. Oh, you're just saying, are ya, huh? You know what? This is the problem with you two bozos. You're always just saying you never do anything. All you two do is talk and jibber and jabber, and plainly, I'm sick of it. Come on, Bobby, where you going? I'm heading out for a smoke, because clearly you two nincompoops have no sense of dignity and have no idea how to keep an intelligent conversation. Take a good eyeball out of yourselves, fellas. I'm out of here. Bobby, come on, I'm just saying. Bobby always had a way of making the situation a bit of a nosebleed. I guess that's why we don't talk much no more. But there are definitely other reasons. Brock was old and probably close to hanging up his apron, but he always had a way of being able to turn down the volume on the situation. He better rub out of here so fast, you two fellas didn't even give me the chance to settle the debate for you. Don't worry about him, he's prone easily to losing his cool. We were having a, how do the cats down at the university call it? A hypothetical conversation. A hypo what? It's kind of like an imaginary scenario. You know, like those Flash Gordon shorts at the pictures. You imagine yourself in a situation, and you have to decide what you'd do if you were really in that situation. By golly, Fred. That's a lot of brain power to use there. Not exactly. Honestly, I get a good kick out of it, just discussing these things, keeping in orbit. Well, uh, what was the imaginary scenario there, Fred? Oh, Brock, you'd have a hoot with this one. Who would you rather marry? And Joseph, who is that? By God, it's Deja Vu. Deja Vu is in my bar. Deja Vu wasn't her real name. Or maybe it was. But no fella from the Bronx to Brooklyn had a date long enough with Javu to learn her real name, let alone even get her home address. They all flunked out. Most fellas didn't have the stones to even look in her direction, but on this night, she was talking to me and Brock. What does a woman have to do to get a gin and tonic around here? Uh, of uh, course, ma'am. Whatever you say, ma'am. One gin and tonic coming right up. Uh, cheese and crackers. How do you make a gin and tonic again? So, 
This is the Morton Falcon. Hardly anything like the types of us I usually find myself in. But that stuffed bird on the wall is charming. Not half as charming as you, princess. How about I pay for that drink and then get your digits? Take it easy there, lover boy. I haven't even gotten a chance to take my coat off yet. Unless you want to help a poor girl out. If help is what you're looking for, I'm sure something can be arranged. I'll go put your coat down and you'll have to tell me what your story is. I think I can do that. Hey Fred, do you mind eyeballing the bar for a second? I got this big order of whiskey waiting for me outside. Yeah, yeah, whatever you say, Brock. Ah, uh, that hits the spot. So, uh, what's the buzz? What's your story, miss? Javu. Dejavu. Dejavu. Is that French? I feel like I've heard that one before. It's Dutch, actually. It means an attractive view. Well, it seems the name fits the person. Aren't you going to ask my name? I hardly need to know your name. If your wallet's stuffed and your pad is nice, this girl is happy. I have a checkbook that'd make Brock weep. Lucky he's not here to brag in front of. I doubt it's enough, but you're cute, so I'll roll with it. Well, are you going to grab my coat so we can leave or what? Oh, gosh, sure. Well, don't just stand there. Light me up, too. So, if you're usually haunting better establishments, what made a fox like you want to wander into the malt and the falcon? I just had this feeling in my gut. Maybe I thought I'd find the right drink or... The right person. Well, I have to say, I think you found what you were looking for. Yes. Yes, maybe I did. After all, the gin and tonic was divine. And the person I find, well, he's a swell guy. And the swell guy has a swell gal to make it all complete. Ow! Over there! I I think someone's in that alleyway! Brock! Oh my god, he's been stabbed! Freddy. Freddy. Pull me closer, Fred. Christ on a cross, Brock! You're bleeding everywhere! Fred, the person that killed me, he... He... Brock? Brock? Answer me, Brock! I think he's dead. No! And just like that, one of my best friends in the whole of Manhattan was dead. Brock always kept Bobby and I company after the war. He was kind of like a brother to us. But now our brother was lying in a pool of his own blood. I knew this city well, and if I knew one thing, it was that the cops in this town were dirtier than a $3 bill. That didn't stop Dave from calling the police. When they arrived, I knew we'd have to take Brock's death into our own hands. Hey, forget about it. Detective Smuts and Sergeant White's are on their case. What we got here? Yeah, well, it looks like a murder. What gives you that idea there, Paulie? Well, uh, sir, this guy's a stiff. A stiff, you say, eh? Well, somebody must have made him stiff, right? Yes, sir. Well, that's what a murder is. Oh, okay. We got a wise guy over here. All right, wise guy, how about I just arrest the first person I see, because the game is on tonight and I got front row seats. How about this guy? Hey, you, in the suit. What, me? Yeah, you. What's your name, pal? Fred Aldini. Oh, yeah, Aldini. The guy who owns all those, uh, what you call them again, Paulie? The supermarkets. Yeah, them's the one. It would be a shame if all those supermarkets got raided for police procedure, wouldn't it, Joey? Oh, that'd be a crying shame there, Sergeant. Hey, fellas, can we settle this, please? We didn't kill Brock. He's one of my closest pals. Well, that's your word against ours, isn't it, bub? Then something happened that caused the night to spiral. They did something that pulled the rug from under me, and I was truly surprised. Stop it right there, boys. Deja vu. FBI. They keep the scene at once. Oh shit, she's legit. Come on, Paulie, we gotta book it now. Hey, come on, what's she gonna do, eh? Ha! Ugh. Uh, 
You really went and made me ruin my new gloves like that. You boys never learn. Let's run, Polly! No, my dignity! You're in the FBI? So, your name is Fred? I thought you looked much more like a Ted. I was sent to the Malt and the Falcon to investigate an illegal import of German whiskey, but it seems like arrivals already got to Brock before I could. He was only going to get a slap on the wrist and a month off work. Paid. What a shame. Now that Brock is a stiff, how are we going to find the creep that did this to my pal? Those cops couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Maybe we'll find some clues. This was done pretty efficiently. This killer has some experience. He is cut with precision and died quickly. Uh, what's this? Fred, is Brock a smoker? No, but Brock hates smoking. Uh, hated smoking. He always told Bobby and I to smoke outside. He calls whatever we smoke death sticks. What a loop, right? Oh my, Fred, there's traces of cigar residue on Brock's body. It looks like Cuban cigars? In that moment, my world stopped. What they brought up sounded so familiar to me, I felt like I had heard it before. There was a connection to tonight that I could sense in what they said, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah, okay, it's day here. Freddy was a businessman and was a cute fella, but he wasn't cut out for this detective shtick. I had done years of research on Bobby and Freddy, and actually knew the pair pretty well. Bobby has come up on the FBI's radar way too often for the importation of illegal Cuban cigars. And there isn't a single cat in New York that smokes Cuban cigars but him. I knew it was Bobby, but Freddy wasn't really ready to know quite yet. Oh shit, I better go. Fred is coming. See you back in the past. It was on the tip of my tongue, but I just couldn't sound it out. There was one more clue we needed for me to truly understand what was going on. There's one more clue we need to truly understand what's going on here. It feels so wrong digging up dirt on my pal Brock here like this, but we need to know who did this. If Brock isn't a smoker, then why would Brock have cigar ashes on his apron? Hmm. Maybe old Brock here wanted to experiment when he knew he was on death's door. Ah, <sighs> Fred. That doesn't make any sense. Why would an avid anti-smoker take up smoking on his deathbed? Sounds like a dope move to me. Oh, by gum! Maybe he slipped and fell on the cigar. And that's how he kicked the bucket. I have been in this business for ten years, and that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You really aren't the sharpest, are you? Maybe I'm just in shock. I've just seen my friend become a corpse. I can't think straight like this. I think I know who did this. Follow me. What a darling, what a fox. Deja Vu was truly the smartest, hippest gal I've ever met. She knew exactly what was going on at all times, and I was just there for the ride. She took me to a very familiar looking apartment building, but this was a building I don't think I've ever seen sober. The dope still wasn't onto what was going on. I saw a future in this guy, but just as long as he never tries to be a detective. Maybe he fell in his cigar. What a nincompoop. Ooh, gotta go again. This is where it gets good. Then everything finally made sense to me. We were at Bobby's apartment. The cigars, the events of the night, it all made sense. Bobby had ghosted Brock. When the door creaked open, I barely recognized my best pal on the other side. This was going to be a night I would never forget. Mama, deja vu. Bobby Bridgebottom. So this was your doing. You have got to be pulling my leg. Day, you know Bobby? Me and Javu go way back. We fought in the war together as allied spies. So I had heard that name before. I wasn't just having deja vu. This clown was a Nazi spy, but then he lost his cool and defected to the allies in Normandy. I guess that's where the two of you met. 
Okay, these twists are uh, honestly driving me bananas. Is this all true? Oh, it's the real deal, Fred. Brock wasn't importing any normal whiskey. He was importing whiskey bottles with old Nazi secrets in him. Secrets that proved I was a German spy in the war. That's enough plot twists. You lied to me. You betrayed our friendship, and you killed Brock. You need to pay for your crimes. Put that knife away. Killing him isn't good enough punishment. He needs to go away for what he's done. I'll use my FBI clearance to put him away. So far away, he'll miss every Yankee game from now until forever. Get your filthy mitts off of my suit. This is the last time you've seen Bobby Bridgebottom. You know, you really do have a way with words there, sweet cheeks. I have a way with putting away bad guys like this, too. I remember the night I first met Deja Vu, because it was the best night of my life. Sure, we lost some friends along the way, but finding Day really turned my frown upside down. We eventually married. I still run the Aldini supermarket business, and she trots around the globe catching crooks and fighting fiends. Bobby is locked up in the room with the least amount of light and space, and I sleep easier at night. He cut up my world with an intimate homicide, but I found the girl of my dreams. I guess I won this hypothetical situation. Hey, Bobby. We just heard Paul's script, Intimate Homicide. Woo, we just finished recording. Yay. Yay! Paul, this was your first audio play. How are you feeling after being part of the recording process? Oh my god, literally like all the characters were realised in this incredible way that I like had in my head. <laughs> um, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? It's amazing. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> That's great. How did everyone feel with their characters after going through the script the first time? Uh, I really liked being Day. She was really sassy, but also I didn't have another American accent, so I'm glad that, that one was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, American accents are a struggle, but uh, I guess because of the, the slight tackiness of the environment of the the, the play, I guess. It's yeah, I felt of, like it didn't uh, have to be consistent or no, good. Exactly, exactly. It's schlocky and that's the point. Um, except for you, Jill and Sam, this was everyone's first time recording an audio play. Um, was the experience different or to what you're expecting or like how did it go in terms of like your expectation versus what we actually heard? Yeah, it's interesting just having to think about I guess the audio perspective of things like often when you're acting on stage or on screen um, there's a lot of like body language and physicality involved so it was kind of hard to like be sitting in a chair trying to be Danny DeVito. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Interesting you bring up like movement and stuff because there is actually a lot um, that you can do with movement. Mm. Um, we sort of did it with this one. There was a lot of hand gestures, um, mm. but like previously we've had to do a lot of running and like a lot of referential stuff to get you in the mindset because obviously you're imagining everything. It's an interesting thing to step into, I suppose, especially compared to like film. Or- um, I think that's really interesting about that is when you're recording with with your voice, like in audio, like similar with theatre, like on stage you have to sort of exaggerate what you're doing and like there is the fact that like when you're actually recording you speak well I mean obviously this script was a noir script so like we got to exaggerate everything but you do end up like exaggerating everything even if it's like a really dramatic like realistic script you still end up like Mm. exaggerating I think. Uh, To be honest I've had more experience doing 
audio plays than human play. I mean, the other kind of play. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally like, but we're we all, all humans. Or are we? <laughs> we're all lizards. <laughs> <laughs> I am the lizard queen. Um, no, yes, yeah, so I've, I've, I've had more experience doing this than other things. So mm. um, I guess being relieved of the pressure to be like, oh, the fact that I'm like contorting weirdly to, you know, say this line is fine. Exactly. Yeah, um, which is nice. I, I wanted to ask everyone, do you feel like this experience, because like, we often get a lot of listeners and a lot of people in the room who've never done audio before, like today, has this made you guys want to, you know, be more involved with audio or like think about like wanting to write for audio? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, being part of the an actual play already is inspiring. Well, thanks, Sam. <laughs> so are you going to do a script next time, Sam? <laughs> if the inspiration turns itself into words for sure <laughs> uh, I don't know about you guys but I had a super blast time oh, thanks, and Dave. honestly as a first time being on this show and being a part of this type of environment I think you got to be crazy to not try it out at least everyone's super cool it, experience is not a prerequisite which is fantastic <laughs> and yeah I think it's a new experience in my life and I appreciate it so thank all of you guys thanks, for having Dave. such a fun time thank you Thanks, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, thank you, everyone. I think it's about that time of the episode where we reveal the next month's prompt. Yes. Okay. Um, So uh, next prompt's prompt will be... um, Maybe have a little bit of a drum roll. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so this one is a bit of a thinker, uh, and I was trying to play around with what I think would be really interesting and fun and possibly relevant for people at the moment. So the genre um, is satire, and there is a quote that has to be included in the script, and the quote is, and as you know, I always say dot, 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 dot. So, yeah, mm. the prompt for next time. <laughs> so the genre satire with the quote, and as you know, I always say. Submissions are due by midnight on the 23rd of June. Um, there will be a draw to have the script produced with a team of talented and fun people. Please submit in the Script Alert Facebook group and have a read of the submission guidelines. Cool. If you're not already a member of the Script Alert Podcast Facebook group, feel free to uh, check it out and join. Uh, hey, I'm Natasha. I was playing Bobby Bridgebottom. I'm performing in a play for Melbourne Fringe Festival this year called Nail My Dodgy Glow by the brilliant Kirby Medway. It's super weird. It's about Gilmore Girls and Satanists. Um, so come on down. My name is Paul Waxman. I was the writer of this play, which was super fun to do. Uh, Time of recording, I'm in Melbourne, Australia, but probably at time of publication, I'll be overseas uh, doing a holiday I've been wanting to do for a really long time. If you want (laughs) to see all the photos and things, you can follow me at Instagram and Twitter at Paul Park Music, but I won't be having any kind of radio audio work going out at that time because I'll be relaxing for once. Uh, hi, I'm David Shostak. I played Detective Joey Smythes. I kind of sounded like this, but I think I changed it all the time. It doesn't matter. Uh, I've recently came back from this uh, little charity project of mine called the Zambian Film Project, where uh, me, Brad Cumming, and Claudia Defoe, the founder of the organization, we went around and taught them how to uh, how taught the local Zambian film community how to make movies uh, a bit more personal because uh, they don't have that type of education over there so really ex- express the arts and stuff so please check it out the Zambian film uh, project uh, yeah please show your support thanks and a big thanks to Jill Sam and Jake for coming in uh, we always appreciate coming in and it's it's great to have the support from the community and we really appreciate everyone coming here so 
Thanks Thank so you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Again, if you're interested in participating in next month's draw, whether that's acting, writing, or anything else, just head to Facebook, search Scripturalette Podcast, and ask to join. Or if you just want to keep up to date with all things Scripturalette, go to facebook.com forward slash Scripturalette Podcast or add us on Instagram at Scripturalette Podcast. We got through it. I knew we would. <laughs> Hi, we're the hopes. Hope. <laughs> we're the hopeless hosts. Of we are. It's true. <laughs> we have to put that at the end of the episode. <laughs>